You're listening to Further Faster in association with Montaigne, the podcast that asks ultra-athletes, mountaineers, and explorers the why and the how. Hello and welcome to Further Faster in association with Montaigne. My name is Daniel Nielsen and in these podcasts it's my job to delve into why and how ultra-athletes, mountaineers and explorers do what they do. Now this is a very, very special episode as we're speaking to Jasmine Paris. So just a few days before this podcast was recorded, Jasmine smashed the previous record for the Montaigne Spine Race by an incredible 12 hours and won the race by more than 8 hours. So the Montaigne Spine Race stretches 268 miles across the Pennine Way over some of the most uncompromising landscape in Britain. And of course, it's running winter. Now Jasmine has set the fastest time ever to be running through the finish line in 83 hours, 12 minutes and 23 seconds. So we grabbed her as soon as we could in this exclusive interview. And in this podcast, we chat about the worldwide exposure she's received, the fact that she was still expressing milk at the checkpoints, the training and the strategy that she employed to win such a record, plus what comes next. So listen in, this is just such an inspiring, inspiring conversation I had with Jasmine. Okay, so here I am with uh, Jasmine Paris. Um, you've what you've achieved with the spine race is just a remarkable feat and it's captured the attention of well worldwide press were you, were you expecting so much attention off the back of it um no i don't I, it's been it's been really quite overwhelming like in a positive way it's been amazing incredible mm-hmm. and the number of messages of support but um it's also yeah it's, it's also sort of um just it's hard to comprehend for somebody that's um i just i guess i'm sort of a relatively quiet person usually um yeah. and um, this is this has sort of thrown me into the limelight across the world it's it feels quite um surreal <laughs> it really is do you um well i mean we're, we've only got a short amount of time to talk but I don't want to load the big questions on you, but do you think it, um, it, it, it's, it's positive for the sport? I mean, the, it's, it's getting on the six o'clock news and woman's hour and, you know, I, I've, I've seen yeah. um, posts across the States. Is it something yeah. that you feel a bit no, of responsibility think, for as well yeah i think i think it is and i think if i didn't think it was a positive thing then i wouldn't have agreed to do all the interviews so i got back on the wednesday night and then i spent essentially thursday and friday doing solid interviews from the morning to, to the night and there's still some trickling through and um and and, and as i say i'm not really searching for fame for myself so i think the sort of the reason i'm was happy to do those interviews is, is because I, I've had so much positive feedback from from people's telling me that they've been inspired by 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 what I did and then breastfeeding mothers telling me they've been inspired and and just people saying you know and um, I've not been running for ages and then I you inspired me to get my shoes on and, and go out again or um, and and messages from primary schools where the children have been following me and and have been excited to see um the lady winning and you know it, all these things it's, it's incredibly it's great for me you know and um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, sort of to have done that and brought um, ultra running and, and women and breastfeeding into the limelight is a, and, and have people talking about it that has to be a positive thing so for all those reasons I think you know it's, it is a really good thing yeah yeah I, th- I think so w- w- were you surprised by some of the angles that the, the news reports were taken or did you expect 
did you expect the breastfeeding <laughs> to become such a big part of the headlines? It, it, it has become a massive part of it, especially given that I sort of, you know, it, it was just, it was just, a ha- a ha- it, it wasn't intentional that I actually was going to be doing the expressing as I went along. It just, it ended up happening just because I couldn't get a weaned in time. Right. Um, but, but in a way, it's, it's, it, I think that's been a very positive out, outcome from it. And I mean, I was, you know, delighted that I was able to breastfeed my daughter, and I'm very proud that I, I was able to, um, you know, overcome things like, for example, carrying on doing it during during this race. Yeah. And um, I feel very lucky to have been able to breastfeed her. And I think, um, you know, that hopefully by do by doing that and, and and running the race, I've been able to show that you can carry on doing things and and um, sort of continue with your own ambitions and um and and, and hobbies and challenges and um yeah. that it doesn't need to be an obstacle it can sort of become part of your life it's very much a natural thing if, if anything was ever natural than breastfeeding your baby i think it is so yeah. um so it's good if i was able to and um, just sort of shed that light on it yeah brilliant okay uh, let's talk a little bit about the actual race then um did you expect to win were you out there to i mean did you strategize around yeah. So, so honestly, I wanted to try and win, yeah, and before I, before the race, um, but that doesn't mean that I thought it was going to be easy at all. Yeah. I just thought that I was in with a chance of winning, um, and uh, I trained quite hard. So I've never actually sort of trained in a concentrated race way for, way for one race before, but I did for the spine. Okay. Um, sort of in autumn of, uh, of last year, I sort of felt that I was lacking motivation, and I sort of needed something to get get me sort of get me get me training again and to try and get back to where I was pre-baby because last year I sort of I did I did well and um, but I didn't feel that I was sort of achieving what I'd done prior to have it prior to getting pregnant and having Rowan so and sure. um, I think I sort of needed a bit of inspiration and that's why I signed up for the spine and um it, w- it was really good it sort of kick-started my training and um I also um he also enlisted the friend of a, the help of a friend, mm-hmm. um, Damien Hall, to coach me, okay. and that was a really positive thing as well. So it just it just sort of lent, lent a whole new slant to it, and it made it a lot of fun. I was doing things I hadn't done before, and working in a more focused way, and um, all of those things sort of I think brought me to the race in pretty good, um, you know, condition, and um, I was sort of ready to take it on, and I was quite excited about the idea of actually racing it. So honestly, I started with a table of splits of people's splits last year the leaders and then so i i can't say that i didn't go into it hoping that i might be able to challenge for the win (laughs) yeah sure so i was actually speaking to damien on this podcast while we were following you online (laughs) so he was very (laughs) excited as well um that's great so how how did your training differ from from other races that you've done i mean you've obviously been very successful in in other long distance ultra races and that kind of thing what what, what was specifically different about um training for the spine race so I think like one of the obvious things is that my mileage increased. So um, back in autumn, actually, my, it, it, my mileage had dropped quite a lot. So I was probably only running about 30 miles a week. And we built that up over the course of the three months so that around New Year, I was running sort of 100 miles a week. Right. So that was the, the first obvious thing. Um, then the second thing would be that I built up gradually running with a pack because on the spine race, I was obviously having to race with a pack and that makes quite a big difference. Sure. And I think if you were to just throw a pack on and race, then you'd find um, not only would it be hard but you'd find you'd probably get injured as well so um i I gradually built up the pack weight so that in the end i was running over sort of christmas new year i was doing blocks of two or three days of long runs back to back so that's probably like five or six hours and running with a full pack 
Um, so that's kind of the training I was doing by the end. But in between then, sort of on, in the period of those three months, and it was sort of a mixture. There was some speed work as well, yeah. um, some hill sessions, and and some, and, you know, and then and then obviously the longer runs at weekends. So it all had to fit in around my schedule. So I sort of said, um, uh, when we when we started with, with this, I sort of said I can't really afford to do more than an hour and a half a day. So yeah. somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half during weekdays, and then at the weekends maybe um you know sort of maximum six to eight hours in the in the entire weekend so it had to fit into that schedule so that's what that's what we did wow and did you manage to do that did you did it yeah. fit into the schedule yeah yeah that's yeah, remarkable yeah. because you you work as a vet is that right as well yeah yeah, so I, I'm I'm a specialist vet at the University of Edinburgh. Yes, but currently I'm actually doing a PhD. So, um, so so yeah, I'm, I'll be back on clinics in April once I've finished writing up this thesis. Yeah, you've got thesis right in the middle of all these <laughs> all these interviews as yeah. well. <laughs> <Good grief. laughs> you don't make things easy for yourself. <laughs> um, okay, so so when you were when you were thinking about the the race, you, you said you you kind of looked at the split times and. What what was the strategy that you kind of designed to to win to to yeah. kind of beat the other people? Well, in all honesty, one one thing that was interesting was when we looked at the splits. I also aside alongside that, I drew up the splits for what it would you know if you were to run at four miles an hour for the whole thing mm-hmm. um and um how, you know how fast you would get to the end there and they sort of worked out that even if you were taking quite long sleeps at the checkpoint sort of four or five hours you'd actually still break the record by a good margin doing that okay. now in retrospect i then realized that running at four miles an hour is actually a bit of a big ask and you're not you, you don't do that towards the end in fact i think we only really did that any faster than that during the first on the first day right. um but what but what sort of doing that and um, with my split made me realize is that the leaders in the past have always run very fast at the st- or much faster at the start and got much slower at the end and so I guess my race tactic was to try and sort of maintain a bit more of a even consistency throughout and um, I think maybe I achieved that a little bit um, but realistically what happened is that I slept less than I'd planned um, and um, I used that extra time to catch up on those on that four mile an hour thing which I, I as I said I wasn't achieving yeah. by the end. Okay do you, how good are you at well I mean you clearly are but how, how psychologically do you adjust for the strategy is that part of some is that part of it yeah. the race that you enjoy? Yeah, yeah, no, I, it's definitely part of, part of the race that I enjoy because because it's sort of like, yeah. I mean, for example, it, let's say I got to hold. So I was running with the leaders, um, and and that had sort of. At, I guess it's very difficult to let the leaders go and do your own thing. And um, I was comfortable, so I stayed with the leaders, so Ian Keith and and, and Eugenie. Um, and when we got to Hawes, um, Ian was um, sort of clearly getting tired, and um, and Eugenie was, I don't know, he was doing something in the checkpoint, but he was taking his time. And that's when I thought, oh, look, I'll try and go and see if I can get away from him. Yeah. And I actually ran quite fast out of Hawes and up the hill. Um, and I did open a gap, and I was feeling really good. Um, unfortunately, Eugenie then closed it on the descent, and that, it, that was really because I think if I'd gone fast on the descent maybe I could have kept it open for, for longer but I just didn't want to trash my legs and I think running fast downhill in a long race like that is not such a clever thing to do so um, so yeah I just he, he ended up catching me there but I do think I actually tired him out a little bit so that was kind of the first chipping away at, um, at Eugenie that I did and then right. and as I say I, I left him the second time when we um, after we left checkpoint four so um, yeah the, the kind of the race race develops and you have to sort of play it by ear a little bit and, and work out what you going to do from that sure and and so so there there was some there was some planning are you the sort of person when they're training do you crunch numbers do you look at your times do you look at how you're running are you kind of a (laughs) 
into your data uh, as it were or are you a bit more laissez-faire than that not not really like I think that I would actually have never done that at all before I started um training with Damien just because I I the only way I ever trained was that I went running and um, because I enjoyed it and, yeah. and and the fact is I still really enjoy it but at least I, I you know now I'm sort of given some vague guidelines of what about what what you know what a session was you know supposed to involve that day so to that extent I have to look at what I'm what I've done but and um, I still don't yeah I don't mull over it too much I don't worry too much about pace and and, and stats because um I just I think you know especially on something long like this you sort of have to have to sort of play along with your body a bit and 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 help it out so I think he's just sort of some of it's by feel and and yeah and it helps that I'm enjoying it often just just being in the mountains so that that's obviously a real help as well sure when did you know that you were ahead Uh, when Um, when did you think you were gonna it's like I've got this (laughs) (laughs) well when I left the um, checkpoint four and made the gap when Eugene stayed an extra hour or so in the checkpoint and okay. um, he had various issues he was having sorted out um, so, I think, sorry, how, I, how many checkpoints are there over the so there's way? five checkpoints okay and um, so I think checkpoint four is Alston mm. yeah okay. <laughs> unless I've got my things wrong and yeah. um, that was just before the evening on the on Tuesday evening Okay. So going going into the in, into the night on Tuesday night, so I opened a gap there of about I think seven or eight kilometers in the in the course of an hour, and and that was or just over an hour, and that was like a sort of um um that was that was a real effort to to open that gap, and then Eugene himself and he was chasing me, so it was quite an exciting sort of evening, and right. that and we had supporters that kept popping up and actually going between us and telling us what the split was. Oh my goodness! Um, Wasn't that stressful? <laughs> well, it, well, it was, but it was, but it was also quite exciting because I don't think you really usually get a race like that in a in a race as long as this. No. You wouldn't usually race to that sort of extent. I, d- I don't really usually feel like there's, there's such an intense race, but with Eugenie and, and that sort of section, it really did feel like that. So I, I you know, with every time I slowed down for something or I had to change my batteries for something or whatever, and mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, you know, he's getting ahead, he's getting ahead. Yeah. But then there was the runnable section that I think I've probably made a bit of time on in here. So it, it was quite exciting. Anyway, so I got to the, I finally got to the sort of final checkpoint and I, had about two hours on him um, and I had my plan had been to sleep there for probably three hours but at that point I realized if I did that he would catch me back up again and I just felt that it would be really difficult to, to lose him and um, so I made a rather dangerous daring decision and uh, decided not to really sleep there and so I just pushed on through and, and left the checkpoint so I was gone by the time he arrived and I think that was actually a real psychological blow to him yeah. when he arrived and he asked um, where's Jasmine and he was told she's already gone I think that was like I think that was the moment really where he's, his hopes faded a little bit right. um, and so so that I think I think when I left that checkpoint and I got away there um, that that was sort of when I thought look this is really not really a possibility now I just need to keep going <laughs> right okay and and what I mean the, the way that you relate is how I mean it was obviously a very positive experience because you just broken an incredible record and you've done it amazing what, what was it always were you, were you always did you feel throughout the race that your your body was right your 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 kind of your headspace was right was it all did it all seem to be working right or were there times where you were yeah i mean there were times where it was hard obviously but yeah well bizarrely to be honest the fact is that during the first night i probably felt the worst in definitely in comparison to the two guys i was running with and so i just i don't know i just felt tired um 
whether <laughs> and later on in the race, I obviously felt exhausted because I was, I was sort of having hallucinations and I was I was genuinely deeply tired. But on that first night, I just had the sort of the standard, you know, you should be in bed by now type of tiredness, and my body wasn't really yet in the race mode. It didn't realise it was doing something else else for those few days, and and it wanted to go to sleep, and I was sort of almost falling asleep on my feet, and um, I, you know, I, and I couldn't help but think about the fact that you know at bedtime that my daughter was probably having a bath and 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 how was she getting on her first first night without me and and that sort of thing you know so and and it was still 200 miles to run there and we'd spent the whole day um during the day running into a strong headwind and rain um and so for all those reasons that first night for me was actually the hardest night Um, and um that was the point if anything that i sort of felt you know this is going to be really tough because because you've still got so far to go then but after that it got better and it got increasingly better as i went along <laughs> okay and and do you kind of i mean actually was i was speaking to damien about this on the on the podcast but do do you um when you've begin to focus on things like your your you know your daughter your your you know who's how old is she one just over um, one? yeah she's just coming up 14 14 months today actually. wow okay <laughs> excellent um and and when you know did did you manage to turn that from something that was maybe a distraction uh, into something that was a motivation? Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I guess it was a motivation absolutely to get to the end to to see her. And I'd actually said that to my husband beforehand. I, my plan had was always to try and get back for Wednesday night to not spend. My, my plan was always to not try and spend more than three nights out. So realistically, that that was sort of my aim. Um, <laughs> Okay. obviously it would have massively depended on the weather so if there'd been deep snow then there's no way i would have got back so i think that was just naive of me to think that but given the conditions and um, that that was you know it, it did work out um, and she she was a big inspiration to try and try and get back as i say after after only the three nights and um, but also you, you know she she really helped me when i was when i was feeling at my worst i sort of um consciously made myself think about um, about nice things and that for me that was her and and sort of imagining her doing doing her little moves and squatting down and examining things and various things like that you know yeah. the faces she pulls and that sort of thing and that just cheered me up and it also just took my focus off whatever was hurting me or or however tired I was feeling so yeah that was definitely a, that she was definitely an inspiration and um, a distraction okay. in equal measure <laughs> okay okay which both combined together to to get what you done now um and, and what's the kind of the camaraderie i mean you were running you were running with the um the leaders for the first couple of nights or the first couple of days um is it a friendly rivalry i mean i've got i've got no idea what is it is it yeah. you kind of pacing each other are you I don't yeah, know, talking uh, to each other, chatting away, <laughs> showing photos. Yeah, we, we definitely chatted. We definitely chatted. So okay. the first night, obviously, the first night was the only like after the sort of first night, we sort of left Ian Keith. Um, but I chatted with him that night, and that was that was great. He's got a lot of experience with the race and just generally with um, ultra racing. It was it was great to hear about some of his adventures, mm-hmm. and then. Um, yeah and then uh, with Eugenie I ran quite a long time obviously with Eugenie so yeah. um and um you know at times it almost it was almost tending towards it being a sort of team effort um but um to be honest it was me that sort of said um it, it, very politely but that I would that I would rather race it as a, as a race um because I'd come there to, to race it as a race so sure. um it was really amicable um but I we sort of um we we did end up and we I ended up getting that race which was a great thing yeah 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 and and in kind of other races that you've done you've always placed 
very highly kind of across the across the whole field and you look at the same with uh, Beth Pascal as well who we're going to be talking to I think soon um do are are there any need for categories anymore is 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 sort of one of the the, the kind of the unspoken questions um, that that or one of the questions that, that has has been asked I mean um yeah do you do you think yeah, well, so it's, it's a difficult question because, um, so the firstly, I think that the, you know, if you running at a shorter distance, then undeniably there's physiological differences between men and women that mean that, you know, you can't, I think over a short distance, you can't compare a man to a woman yeah. um, just because it's, it's, it's not, it's not fair. So, but that, in, the, in that sense, you definitely need to have um, categories, I think. And it's difficult because I do think that the further you go um, and the more sort of other factors play into it and also, I guess, stamina and maybe some mental factors, I think that the the gap between men and women diminishes and potentially even closes completely. Well, um, yeah. But but then you you have to sort of there are still there's still a massive predominance of men I would say in these races, sure. um, so you know should you uh, it might maybe you should still have the categories just to encourage women's participation. Um, it's a difficult one to want to know. I certainly I yeah, what I yeah. enjoy about the sport is that I can compete on an equal level with men. Um, I just race the person I'm um, near in the field, regardless of whether it's a man or a woman, and I enjoy the fact that it's such an open community. And um, it, it's so sort of inviting and welcoming to everybody from the very fastest to the very slowest to the man to the woman. It makes no difference. Yeah, I mean, it, it brings out the best in people, doesn't it? it yeah. the, 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 from from the start to finish, the people who help out, the volunteers, and and of course, what what you've what you've done is inspired, you know, huge amounts of people now to to get involved or to, you know as as you yeah. said from the beginning, you're already have, having these messages, and that's you know that's just got to be the most positive thing. Yeah. Out, out of everything really <laughs> um oh, this is remarkable um and, and what so what's next <laughs> apart from writing a thesis and yeah. <laughs> bring bringing up a daughter and yeah. holding down a job i mean in terms of running is uh, what, what what are your next ambitions yeah so um in terms of sort of races um uh well i'm definitely i'm going to do the Petit Trot de Lyon um, with my husband in August. So that's the, essentially like the big version, the long version of the UTMB race. It's that, it's that series of races. And it's run in a similar style to the spine. So it's a non-stop race, but it's in a team of two or three. So we're running that together. Right. Um, so that would be good. How, how um, do you work as a team together? Yeah, we work together really well as a team, actually. We've done quite a few races together um, um, and... Um, I really enjoy running with him. There's there's certain people that you're you're happy to run with them even when you're and and you get on well with even even when you're feeling pretty rough. So yeah. um, my husband's one of them actually. So we yeah, that's good. That's it's, it's a good. I know I know it doesn't work that way with some couples. <laughs> no. I've heard, heard other people say <laughs> that they thinking would, personally. <laughs> that would be a relationship, yeah. But for us, luckily, it works out okay. <laughs> um, so um, we'll be leaving the the our daughter with the grandparents for that one. Um, yeah, and then other than that, I'm, I've put my name down for selection for the GB Trail, um, well Trail Trail um, uh, race um, in June. So we'll see if I get a place for that. Okay. And then there's a few fastest known times that I'm keen to chase here in the uk probably mm, that's exciting we'll, we'll see um yeah so that's kind of my, the rough plan for my season and um, we'll see how it goes <laughs> okay okay well um thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me uh i, I know you've got an incredibly busy schedule um 
like I say, we, we were all watching you and now the rest of the world's watching you and, and mm-hmm. getting in contact. And it's just a huge, it's just a massive boost for the sport as a whole. So, um, yeah, very, very good work. We're all very proud of you. Thank so you. Thank you for your time. Really <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're incredibly busy and lots of requests coming in. So we're very chuffed that you spoke to us. Um, it's just such an inspirational time for the, for the sport as a whole. So, yeah, thank you for that. Um, uh, we're back to normal uh, in a couple of weeks. We're going to be speaking to Damien Hall. Now, Damien, obviously, as we heard, did some of the training with Jasmine as well. And he's also just completed the fastest known time with Beth Pascal of the uh, Cape Wrath Trail. So, yeah, that's promises to be really good in fact i know it is because we've already done it so listen into that too thanks for listening bye-bye